0: Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon Podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon Podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former city players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon Podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City but for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. So Tony I'd like to take you back to um, joining City but it was uh, back in December 99. Um, How how did the move come about in the end for you?
1: Well obviously uh, Joe was my manager and Willie were my managers at um, at Everton and I just Felt as though I needed to move at the time from Everton. I was just going a little bit stale. And I thought, I just, I just need to go and play. I hadn't been playing. I had a few injuries. I just, just hadn't been playing. I really wanted to go and play. And obviously the opportunity to sign for City came up. And in the end, I took it. I took the opportunity um, to go and play for Joe again. And that's basically it, really. I mean, I had I had eighteen months left on my Everton contract at the time, and looking back, maybe I should have just stayed and just hung around. As for my own career, But I was that eager to go and play. I was sick. Of, I was sick of just being injured and stayed on the bench. That I decided to to uh, take take the jump.
0: It, I mean, I guess it obviously didn't bother you that it was, that City were a division below. I mean, even at that stage as well, it wasn't certain that City were going to go up that season either.
1: No, I mean, I never I never really done my own work because when I signed, City were top, I think they were top of the league or they were, they were certainly in the top couple. And they had quite a strong squad and basically I joined and went back on the bench. So rather than being on the bench at Everton, I went on the bench at City. So... It sort of, um, mentally, it, it wasn't great for me at the time, but it, it was what it was, and we did go up, didn't we? City did go up that year.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, it, it, just looking back at the dates as well, you signed on uh, on Christmas Eve. So this was before uh, transfer windows were, were a thing at the time as well. Uh, and your debut was two days later. Was, that, was it hard to come in and, and just kind of be thrown straight into the team?
1: No, not really. It was. It wasn't. So I, th- I think me. De- I think I come on sub, my debut. I'm sure I come on sub for my debut. Thought, you you could probably tell me if I'm right or wrong there. But I thought I came on sub for my first game, and it was at main road. And it, as you, you're right, it was round. Well, it would have been round late December, January, and main Road was it for me? It's a bit like Goodison Park. It was a real old school stadium. You know, they, they packed it out. It was there was a bit of an energy around Main Road. There was a smell of football. It was what we all loved, and you know it, I really enjoyed get playing playing for City, and I enjoyed playing at Main Road. Yeah, and I remember coming on, and my first touch was a brilliant touch. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, so I do remember me me debut. And it was a couple of days later, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I mean, how did how did Joe sell it to you? Move into city at that time? Did he need to? I mean, obviously, you'd worked with him before.
1: Well, I almost never, I almost never signed. In the end, me, my agents at the time sort of persuaded me because I, somewhere along the line, I just didn't feel it was the right thing to do. And on the journey back, it was, or in the hotel before we we left, it was, it was. Lots of things go through your brain at the time of do I go back and, and playing and back in the reserves at Everton or do I take this chance? And Originally, I wanted to get out of Liverpool for a little bit. Um, I probably should have went a little bit further than Manchester, but <laughs> I only went down the road. Um, so, my agent sort of persuaded me in a way. I, I, I had a lot of time for Joe and I thought his coach, Willie, was, was, a, was a really good coach. So I was looking forward to working for with Willie again. At the time, um Walter was the manager at Everton. And I just felt up the peck and order with Walter. So I probably joined City really just for a for a change. And I did I did change in mind, but then I changed the back and obviously assigned. I think I signed for three three and a half years at City then.
0: Yeah, what what was Joe's management style like? Um, because obviously, you know, these days you have got a lot of co- we, you, you, we put a lot of focus on coaches and, and and kind of how they how they speak to the players and how they uh, how they set up tactically. What what was Joe like?
1: Uh, Joe was a very he was like a dad in a way. So you know, you, you could you, you could always feel the love from Joe, and at the same time, like your dad would, you could all you can almost feel a fury from him. But what he had, he had a good coach, you see. So he didn't do that much coaching, Joe. Willie's on most of the coaching. And Willie was around the players all the time. Joe was, Joe was out every day and he was always making sure the environment and the way the players are and the fitness, they were always spot on. He had high standards. But Willie ran the place really. How we played was very simple. It was, it was very simple under Joe. It was almost up to the front man, out wide and playing the opposition half. It was a very simple way of playing. I mean, City obviously play a very complicated way now. And lots of teams do now. But in them days, it, it was almost 4-4-2. Get the ball up, get it back, get it wide and let's get the ball in the box. So um, that was his management style. Was that he, he looked after his players. And at the same time, if you weren't pulling, your, pulling it in, you wait. You you know about it.
0: Yeah. but uh, what was that dressing room like as well in terms of the the players that were there? Who were the characters in the? Ah, there was too many. There's too
1: many. <laughs> there was too many to to talk about. I mean, there's a lots. There's lots of players, and there's lots of who at the time when you look back and you don't really realise what's going on in in the world when you're a footballer. But you you got players like um, young Jim Whitley, uh, sorry Jeff Whitley. Well, Jim was there as well. But Jeff, you know, and Jeff, Jeff's well documented and his time at Manchester, and he was such a great athlete. He was a great athlete. Um, that was his main asset. His main asset was he could he could get about the pitch, you know. But he had he had hard times from from that time, and then you had people like Ian Bishop on the other end, you know. And the, all I can say really is the dressing room was always lively. But football in there. 90s, late 90s, early on, it, it it it's not the same as it is now. It really isn't. There's, it was just starting, really. I suppose we were the end, the end of footballers who we were doing lots of things with unedu- uneducated things, should I say?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of focus on, uh, on fitness. And you said Joe was, uh, was big on keeping players in shape. Um, I don't know if you've heard it. Nikki Weaver tells a story about you on uh, the Under the Cosh podcast uh, that you, uh, you once ducked out of a running drill in, tra- in a training camp because of a hangover. Uh, is this true? Well, it probably is
1: true, actually. Yeah. Now, as I say, going back in the day, as I say, I mean, these podcasts, you could touch on lots of things. Education was key and um, we had a lack of it. And and some players from certain backgrounds never had any education when it comes to real life and being professional. You just got by by ability. Now lots of players are getting by by just looking after themselves in in a general way and playing very basic. Um, but, but when I was playing there was so many players who we done silly things, I suppose. Things that now you you know you you know more now and things you pass on to kids now that there's t- certain things in life you just don't do when you want to be a professional. And I think now most players don't go down that road. But in my day, lot, lots of us did.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier on as well about um, being on the bench at Everton and then then kind of trading that to, to be on the bench at City. Was, was it difficult at that time being, in, in, being basically in and out of the team all the time?
1: Yeah, because, you know, what well, people... The life of a footballer is so different when you're actually, it is like you're almost in a bubble, you know. So it, it's tough. People say it's, it's it's a really, really tough way because you have to live with yourself. You have to travel um, and your, your, your mind's constantly having games with you. So then you're not playing. So then when you're not playing, you want to go. So I went on loan to West Brom under Gary Megson under when I was at City. And um, I always remember I was playing really well. I was really enjoying my football at West Brom and West Brom wanted to buy me. And then all of a sudden, Joe calls me back because he just brought Andre, and I had a good relationship with Andre at at Everton. So, whereas I was really happy at West Brom, I probably wouldn't really like to assign for them. That got sort of kibosh because my club was City. So I went back to City got back in the team with Andre, but was in the end that, that lasted a few games, then I was back out the team and then I lost the chance of going to West Brom. So football is it's a very complex, especially in my day. It's a little bit different now. But back back then it was it's very complex. If you're not playing, you have lots of issues to deal with
0: do you start to doubt yourself in in those sorts of moments? Because I mean, obviously, you're at the top of your game. You're you're one of the the the, the you're you're one of the top footballers in the country because you're playing in the Premier League and you you know you're playing professionally. And yet, you're not in the team. Does it does it ha- does it weigh on you mentally?
1: Yeah, you you definitely have days where you conf- in games where your confidence has ebbed away, and things that would come natural, you just don't. You just don't do the natural thing no more and you overthink things. And that's when it—that's when your confidence is starting to get affected. And you, you roll that in front of 30, 40 thousand fans as well. They don't see your own confidence. They just see your bad action. So, you know, football confidence is a, is a huge factor in you're playing really well or not playing great. So when you hit them, them moments in football you have a lot of problems mentally and maybe that's where your education, you end up taking the wrong path then to make yourself, I mean, it's it's a real complex, it's real complex times. Football, always been a complex time for footballers and back in our day, there was no one really understood it. You just, you know, you had to real what the, the old saying? You had to man up and just get on with it and fight your way through that's what you do, really. You just fight your way through. And if that means going to a different club to try and gain your love or your fight back, then that's that's what you do. doing. that's what i done when I went to West Brom, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess Main Road as well could be quite an unforgiving place because the fans were were close to the pitch, weren't they?
1: Well, when I joined, funny enough, when I joined City, we used to do a warm-up in the school. We used to get on a bus. And I, I couldn't believe it. My first game, I was thinking, Where are we going here? And the lads were, were going on the minibus. I was like, Where to? There's a school around the corner. So, we, Willie, before I got there, they must have had um, a barren time and results must have been great. And the fans were having a bit of a go to players, supposedly. So, they took the warm up out of the equation. And the lads all went to a school gym for a warm up, which was a bit, a bit crazy, I suppose. But it's, it's what we've done anyway. And then we got, I remember playing Leeds, funny enough. We played Leeds. Leeds were in the Premier League. They were a really good team and they battled us this day. But we went, before the warm-up, we went to the school. When we tried to get back to the changing rooms, we couldn't get through the crowd. And Chappie, Chappie, Les Chapman, was the coach driver. And we had to stop us and we all had to jump out and run run through the crowd to get our shirts on. That's why we got
0: battered. (laughs) <laughs> amazing yeah. um, I, I want to talk about one uh, are the the final games of the uh, promotion season now I mean it, where, where were you for that uh, for that final day at Blackburn were you at Ewood Park
1: yeah I was there I was with I was with all the players yeah yeah okay, I was what,
0: room, yeah. what was that like
1: well it was unbelievable because I actually went on to work at Blackburn for the next for eight years nine years as a coach and um Going going to Blackburn, City had fans all over the stadium. So, I mean, I don't know how many fans he took, but I'm going to guess he must have had 12,000 fans in a away game. That's, that's my guess anyway. Um, and we actually didn't start great. I remember they, it looked like we were struggling, and then all of a sudden it, we, it kicked on and we, we nicked the goals and we got the goals and we ended up winning comfortable winners. But, you know, I think, I think City... We we deserve to go up that year. It was a good championship team. It was a good strong championship team. That team.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, the the Premier League season uh, the year after. You mentioned you went on loan to West Brom, came back into the team uh, later on that season. Um. Again, like when you come back from loan, is it is it is it like joining again, and you've got to kind of bed in again in a, a, a new club, even though it's the club that you've played for?
1: Not really. No. I mean, because you know all the players. Um. It's it's just a matter of coming back and getting on with it, really. You know. So when you come back, you come back and you're just training as normal. It's not nothing really changes. It's like when you meet up with players now. You know, you go and play in a testimonial now, or you're playing a charity game now. You meet up with your same players, the same banter still goes on now as it was years ago. Nothing not change, nothing changes. It's it's a bit bit strange, really, but that's that's what happens. Um so coming back was was never a problem coming back, and you know I, I actually was looking forward to coming back because obviously we're in the Premier League. But as I say, it's at the time you know you have to look at yourself more than more than anyone else, and at the time you don't really look at yourself. Most footballers even now don't really look at themselves. Um, they always try and blame someone, I suppose. I, I was probably no different at the time.
0: I was going to ask, where do you think that that season went wrong? Because um, I mean, from the outside looking in, it, it just felt like like the team towards the end of the season was just just had too much go wrong in the first half of the season. There was just no confidence there by the end.
1: Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't think we were good enough. Personally, I don't think I don't think the game plan to play in the Premier League was was, was strong enough. Um, so, the Championship team was a decent champion, a good a good Championship team. We just never had enough quality, in, especially in that final third. We never had enough quality. I mean, you see that the difference when Keegan come in with the types of players he brought in. You, you, the quality in the final third just jumped up a notch. You know, so we went up, but we just never had uh, enough good players to real really, or, or a, a good enough game plan to really sustain, stay, in, to fight and to stay in the league.
0: Yeah, and then, I mean, obviously, relegation came in the, yeah. it was the second last game at, uh, at Ipswich. Were you involved in that game? Were you playing that day? No, I don't remember that game, no. Often... I was, I was going to say, do you, do you remember what it was, what, the, the feeling of having it confirmed? Do you remember what that was like?
1: Yeah, listen, I've, I mean, we, I think we knew, we, we go, before going to Ipswich, we, we, we almost knew what, what was happening. You know, it's it's not a nice place when you get relegated. It really isn't. I suppose at the time, City had been in League One a couple of years before, and it wasn't deemed as... I mean, we all know City is a huge club, so to the fans, it was a massive failure. And and to all us, it's a failure. But at the time at City, they they were so much of a yo-yo club, it was like part of the norm. You know, let's build again and come up next year. It was... he wasn't it he wasn't not one was built to sustain you know so it probably needed big cash injection um maybe it needs a big identity like Kevin Keegan to just give it another real good goal
0: yeah were you surprised when when Joe was sacked or, or or is I mean when a team goes down is that the sort of feeling that you think hang on the manager might go with
1: yeah I think I think city being such a big club it was Joe had done a great job for them. Let's have it right. You know, we, I think he took them from League One. He got them back up. He got them back up again. Maybe change, you know, in football. It's, it's very unusual for Manchester State, to stay long at a club. So maybe the board maybe thought, you know, we need a change. We need a new identity. We need a new, a, a new injection of, of energy who, who's out there. And obviously Kevin Keegan was a, was a big name. He he done great at New. He built a good team, an exciting team at Newcastle. And um, obviously, they went to the go down that road. And it was it, it was strange that Joe went and Willie actually stayed, which that that was quite unusual. Um, but then obviously Willie didn't last too long himself. Then then he left.
0: Yeah, well, t- how did how did Kevin Keegan change things? I mean, one of the things that he was quoted as saying at the time was that everybody will will get a fair chance and a clean slate. Was was that true?
1: I, I think it was, yeah. Even even to myself, yeah. I think I think he was fair, you know, he wanted to play football the more, more than more much more than what Joe, Joe's way of playing. Kevin was all about get the ball down and play clever. And he, he got excited when you play clever, which which was good for me. Um and yet yeah, he did give me a fair crack of the whip. And me personally, I, I never took the, the opportunity. Things I say to kids now is you will get your opportunities whether you take it. i never under Kevin. Um, I had no, but I've got no harsh words for Kevin. I thought Kevin was good with what he'd done. I thought he brought good players into the club. Um, He changed the mentality at the club. He brought in a good um fitness coach called, I forget his second name, but his first name was Juan. I think, he, I think he went on to have a good, he's had a good career in football after that. And the whole, the whole mantra that City's just started to slowly change and it become more professional, more more challenging. But, yeah, I'd say Kevin did give everyone a, a fair crack of the whip, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say um, you don't feel that you took that chance. Do you regret that?
1: Yeah, because I, I remember once Kevin saying to me, I remember him saying the words clearly always stuck with me. He said, Tony, he said, there's a player inside you, let it out. At the time, you know, it's just words, but it's only when you really analyse it, and I under—I totally understand what he was saying. But a lot of the reason, when that player did come out, it was very good. But when he didn't come out, he wasn't. But why didn't he come out all the time? That's the real question. What what's the real? And a lot of it is down to lifestyle, lifestyle, and um, how how you look after yourself. That, in my opinion, that's that was my only downfall.
0: Yeah. Um Then obviously the the move to Burnley came about um, a bit later on that season, didn't it? How, how how did that happen?
1: Funny enough, we were training, and I I always got on quite well with Kevin Keegan, and um we were training. And, I, and I, obviously, I would just come out the team, even though and, and even at the time training, I knew it was my own fault. It wasn't definitely. I knew I was still training well and. I was still a, a part of the squad, and it, but, but, but I weren't going to play. And Kevin just fought, pulled me and said, look, Stan's here and it's on the phone upstairs if you want to go and chat to him. I went, I think that would be a good idea. And he, he agreed with me. And I went up to his room and me and Stan had a chat on the phone. And then um, I left later that day to go down to Burnley to have a chat. And, you know, instantly it got on well with Stan. Stan was in the same ilk as uh, a Joe Royal type of guy. And then he was he was like someone you could warm to instantly. A little bit old school. Um, and obviously, I just thought I needed to get away from City. And that's what happened. Did you did you play against City later that season? Well, I played for City against Burnley, actually, that season. And we beat them 4-0 or 5-0. And then later on that season, I played for Burnley against City and City beat us 4-0, 5 again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so we'll play for City. I think Georgie Weir might have played that game as well against Burnley. I'm sure he did. Um, but we, we, we were we, we were very good. That was early on the season. Um, and obviously, I joined them a couple of months later. So, we started in, in Keegan's teams and then obviously... Uh, I played my way out and ended up at Burnley, where they actually got to a stage where I got a bit older and maybe I got a little bit more sensible, maybe, and I started really just trying to try and enjoy me my game.
0: Yeah, um, one final question, Tony. You mentioned George Ware there. Um, that. Still to this day is one of my favourite all time City signings because it, it just came it's what it was back in the day when you didn't know all the sorts of goings on behind a a transfer and you like they, they transfers were just announced out of the blue. Um and City had signed the world, the former World Player of the Year, George Ware. And um it I like I, I for me as a as a young lad watching City at that time, it was it was it was an insanely weird transfer. What what was he like?
1: He was actually brilliant. Honest to God, he was brilliant. But my me, me recollection of George Weir really was, I always remember doing shooting practice and nearly every one of his shots went about 20 yards over the crossbar. <laughs> I was like, hang on, it's George Weir this. Um, but he was such a humble guy and always smiling, worked hard and he was obviously, he's probably what, he, what European player of the year he? was. He was Ballon d'Or, I don't know if he was Ballon d'Or, but it's George Weir.